Welcome back to SEC Football Unfiltered, our podcast from the USA Today Network. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside John Adams. We are both back from furlough. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And we are opting in to this podcast today as so many are opting out during this bowl season. We will discuss the opt-out trend in college football and take a look ahead to the the many, many bowl games coming up right around the corner uh, involving SEC teams, including the college football playoff. John, welcome back from your your furlough, your, your Christmas holiday. You feeling rejuvenated for this final stretch of the college football season? Cold weather does not rejuvenate me. It makes me want to crawl in a hole and just stay there, kind of hibernate. Do any mm-hmm. humans or is there any human tribe out there somewhere in the world that hibernates? Is that strictly a bear thing? <laughs> I don't know. I think you just need to move further south. Although I know the cold weather was really all across the U.S. for a couple of days there, but you know, being in Knoxville like you are, it's it's one of the more northern outposts, really, of the SEC footprint. I'm I'm surprised you haven't begun your march south to like. Del Boca Vista or something. Well, uh, as as a Southern boy who sometimes slips into his deeper Southern accent, yeah, that's probably a good idea to head further south. <laughs> well, some players are headed to the NFL already, uh, even before their their bowl games. It's it's interesting, John. Um, we, when you, we make these picks at the end of the podcast, a lot of my picks are just based on which team has more players available. Arkansas has fewer than 50 scholarship players available for its Liberty Bowl game against Kansas. You look at Tennessee, it's got players who I'm not even sure are going to be drafted who are opting out of the bowl <laughs> game. Jer- Jeremy Banks, it's, it's linebacker, uh, inside linebacker, has opted out of the bowl to prepare for the draft. And I thought to myself when I saw that, is anyone even going to draft him? What What's the rush? Um, and, and meanwhile, though, John, on, on the other side of this trend, you have at Alabama, Bryce Young and Will Anderson, two guys who are projected to be top five picks in the first round of the NFL draft. They may go one, two. Uh, they're, they're projected to be very early off the board. I, I thought, just based on the way trends are going in college football, I thought after we saw them in the Iron Bowl, I thought that's it. That'll that'll be their their college careers. They're riding off into the sunset after an Iron Bowl victory, um, and and that'll do it. And, and Bryce Young will go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks in in Alabama history. Uh, but no, they are going to add to their legacies in this Sugar Bowl. And knowing those guys, just even even in the way that we do as as media members to player, which you know is, is a limited relationship, but you you do gain a little bit of insight. Knowing their their personalities and their and their leadership styles the way we do, I guess I shouldn't have been shocked to hear that they were playing in that bowl game because that does fit the personality and it does fit the people that we've we've come to see perform and and get to know a little bit from afar these last few seasons. And yet, still, with the trend in college football for for anybody that has a sniff of being drafted, it seems like is opting out. I was very surprised when I, when I heard that those guys would would play and, and finish out their careers for Alabama on the field rather than opting out and getting ready for the NFL draft. Well, you go back to Bryce Young's regular season and remember that he was playing part of the time with an injured shoulder, a throwing shoulder. He didn't throw during the week. Uh, so that kind of gave you an insight into him as to how he what he might do. Still, you think, okay, he's done enough. Alabama doesn't have really much to prove, even if it beats Kansas State in a bowl game. So maybe he would opt out. But no, they're both coming back. And you can't help but be a little cynical and wonder, well, did uh, somebody pitch in some money on an NIL deal to keep them for one more game? Uh, Who knows? But uh, I'm glad they're playing. I really like watching Bryce Young play. Yeah, it is. It is a treat for college football fans to to get to see him uh, one more time. And you know, I, I wonder, John, if there's any way to slow down this this opt out train. 
Um, and to be clear, I, I don't have, I guess I don't have a huge problem with it from the business side. I, I get it from a player's perspective. Uh, in the case of Bryce Young, he, he's risking a lot more than he's gaining by playing in this game. I mean, whether he, if he doesn't play, that's, that's not going to greatly affect his draft stock, if at all. I, I don't think it would affect his draft stock if he were to opt out. He would be one of the first players selected in the NFL draft. He's he's risking more by stepping out there on the field. Now, I'm not criticizing his, his decision. I think it's admirable that he's going to play with, with his team one more time. And yet I do understand from a business sense why a guy who's projected to be particularly someone who's projected to go in the first couple rounds of the NFL draft, I understand why why someone may not want to risk playing in a, say, Music City Bowl um, and, and would opt out. And to me, the only way you could really slow this trend is if it makes business sense for players to play in the game versus opting out. I mean, that's why most of us show up to work every day, right? We want the money. We want the paycheck. Uh, it makes financial sense for us to show up to work versus not. If they stop paying me, I'm going to stop writing columns. <laughs> and you probably won't hear us on, on this this very podcast if they stop paying us. Uh, so I get it from a business perspective. And to me, the only way to really slow down the opt-out trend is if you know we reach a point to where players are athletes, are employees, and, and are paid by the game, let's say, so for an athlete, maybe the financials would make sense to play in one more game versus sitting out. But even then, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I think for some of these guys, they're they're full steam ahead toward the the bigger goal, which is competing in the NFL. Yeah, I think you'll have to throw money at them, even through an NIL deal. I wonder about NIL contracts in the future. What if you stipulate in a contract that as long as you're on the team, you're required to play in a game? Um. I've talked to a lot of fans about this, get a lot of mixed re reviews. I'm, I'm much like you. It is a business decision. So if they want to make that decision, I don't have any problem with it. And this friend of mine made a good point. I thought, and I agree with her. She said, I don't want to hear how much you love the school, the team, your coaches, and all the fans when you opt out. Don't tell, just, just go. And I really agree with that. It's like, if you really cared that much about the team, the fans, the program, you'd play. You care more about your career, which is fine. But don't turn around and say, I love you guys. Thanks so much. It's just like when a guy decommits and he said, hey, I just want to thank all the fans and all the love I received from that that particular school. But I'm going to commit somewhere else now. Uh Last line, respect my decision. Yeah, well, you don't have to respect his decision. It, it's just, and, and you brought up Jeremy Banks. I think Jeremy Banks would have much more to gain by playing in the game. If he's thinking about this from a career standpoint, playing against a good team, against a team that can run the ball well from inside linebacker, that, that could be helpful if he has a really good game. I think that's short-sighted. He's no, and you throw in character issues, which he has. I, you know, I don't see where he's any prize signee. He's a free agent signee to me. Yeah, it is strange when we now see this trend apply to guys who are like fifth, sixth, seventh round draft picks, maybe yeah. or undrafted free agents. Again, I get it. If you're going in the first, second, third round, I, I get that you may not want to risk injury um, in bowl games. We've seen it happen. We've seen guys who've played in bowls. Uh, who are who are high round draft projected as high round draft picks suffer injuries and, and their draft stock um, has has paid the price a, a little bit um, in some cases significantly. So I, I get that, but yeah, when you're a late round projection at best, uh, I do think those guys may have something to gain more from playing in, in a bowl. One other thing I've thought about, John, as we head toward the the twelve team playoff era, we are not seeing this trend yet apply to the college football playoff. There are a few, there, there are a couple exceptions. Uh, I, I know over the years, you, you know, you could say guys that maybe have gone to the transfer portal before the playoffs or, or in rare case, maybe an opt out. But for the most part, players who compete on teams that are in the college football playoff historically have not opted out. They have, they have played 
for the right to win a national championship. Now, we know in 2024, the 12-team playoff is coming. So for teams, some teams, that means playing in the potential for four playoff games. If you were to go from first round to championship, that's that's four more games coming. Um, do you think we will see opt-outs increase among playoff teams once once we go to a broader playoff? Or do you think the current status quo will be the case? Whereas if you are on a playoff team, most guys will play because it's the opportunity to compete for a championship. But then if you're not on a playoff team, you almost certainly are going to opt out if you're headed for the NFL. I envision a headline that reads, team help hostage before playoff game. Uh, let's just say, um, oh, I don't know. Let's say uh, C.J. Stroud of Ohio State going into the playoffs says, yeah, man, I want a championship more than anything in the world. However, I'm risking a lot of money here by playing. Uh, so I would like a uh, couple of million thrown my way. And then I'm all, I'm all in, man. Love the school, love the, love the team, love the coaches. And so what do you do then? <laughs> your team, I mean, somebody would put up, come up with the money. If you've got your quarterback saying, I'm only pay, playing if you pay me more money. I don't think that's far fetched. Nor, nor do I think that's unreasonable. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I know there are probably some fans out there rolling their eyes at the idea, but to me, you want to make me work more? You're going to add more to my plate, my workload? Okay, you can pay me more. I don't think it's unreasonable that, you know, the playoff is expanding. Uh, everybody's uh, everybody's going to enjoy the riches of this who are off the field, right? Um, you know, the schools and the coaches and the administrator, they're all going to revel in the riches of a of a bigger playoff, which is more on the athlete's shoulders of competing. So yeah, I don't, I don't think it's wrong for the athletes to want a slice of the pie uh, as the revenues increase from an, from an expanded playoff. So, I mean, that's what normal people do, right? If you try to put more work on their plate, uh, if you have any leverage at all, you think, Hey, I, I, I could use a little bit of a raise here. You gave me more work. So I, I, I do understand that. Um, I don't know. I, I think, John, we will maybe see some opt-outs in a bigger playoff. I do think, though, that the the current trend will continue of, I think most guys on playoff teams will compete. I think, though, the bowl games will become more meaningless than ever once we go to a 12-team playoff. And that's sort of the trend we're on, right? Bowl games started to become more meaningless once the four-team playoff arrived. I think as you expand it, um, even more games will be bowl games will become meaningless. Uh, however, I also start to think, John, once the 12 team playoff is here, the rest of the bowls basically are meaningless. If you're taking the 12 playoff teams out of the mix, I mean, how glamorous is it to be in a bowl game at that point? And I start, I'm starting to think maybe it's better if guys opt out. Maybe if you're not in the college football playoff, you might as well start looking ahead to next season anyway. So if you've got guys on your team who are headed to the NFL or who are headed to the transfer portal, could you could you not make a case that it, it it's better that those guys opt out and you start playing your your quarterback of the future, your running back of the future, um, and almost use it as a as an early exhibition game uh, before you head into to spring practice for for the next season. Yeah, I, I I can see that. However, I do think if you go you go out and play in a bowl game, well, let's take Florida, for example. Just got absolutely hammered by Oregon State. That game was not good for Billy Napier. First-year coach, now he's got a losing record. He's already lost to Vanderbilt. He's lost to his biggest rivals, Florida State, Georgia, Tennessee, maybe. Um, that's a bad loss for him. Really True. bad loss. And it's on a national stage. And so I think fans really hate this kind of talk because they feel like they look at it differently. They're all in on their team. They're loyal. They're devoted to their team. They're not like the players and coaches who just 
head off to another and pull for another team on a whim or on a for a few dollars more they're devoted to that team and they expect the same kind of loyalty from their players and coaches and when they opt out when players opt out that really goes against the grain and it goes against the way of thinking of so many fans and yeah if they're playing in a game i don't think fans look at it like oh well the game didn't mean anything no you were in florida's case and i'm just using florida's example you were playing a good team from the pac-12 and you stunk it up that didn't give me a whole lot of confidence what you're doing next year. Because to your point, we got a preview of next year life without Anthony Richardson, who was hardly uh, had a Heisman candidate type season anyway. He's off to the NFL and showed that Florida doesn't have a quarterback for next year. Now they've gotten Graham Mertz, a transfer from Wisconsin, who won't quicken the false pulse of the fan base. But yeah, I just think the game still means something to fans. You make a good point, John. I can talk to them blue in the face about, oh, well, this is an opportunity to develop toward next year if you're not in the playoff. Um, But that's not what the narrative is on these games. And there's no guarantee that the narrative around these games will change just because coaches, you know, may look at this as a development opportunity with, with so many guys opting out. Fans may not look at it that way. You know, no, I, I don't see a bunch of, Uh, people couching this blowout loss by Florida to Oregon State in the bowl as, oh, well, they didn't have Anthony Richardson. They'll have a new quarterback next season. So it's no problem uh, that Florida lost by 27 points to to a team with a mascot of the Beavers. Um, No, everybody, you know, every Florida fan uh, uh, I hear from is is very frustrated uh, with year one under Billy Napier and, and is not real happy with the way things stand right now. And nobody's couching this as, Oh, well, the quarterback opted out. Several other guys entered the transfer portal, you know, as as, give Napier a chance to get some, some, some more of his transfers in here and everything will be fine. Nobody's saying that everybody's just saying they got drilled uh, (laughs) in a bowl game. And it's a frustrating year one for Billy Napier. So I I think you're right about that. The narrative doesn't necessarily change, even if the true purpose of these bowl games maybe at least internally has evolved a bit uh, to where some of those lower tier bowl games, especially are more developmental and a practice opportunity. Uh, You know, the the narrative and the fans don't necessarily agree with that. They still want you to go out and win the game. And uh, some teams are just very ill-equipped to do that. I don't, I don't think Florida would have won that game with Anthony Richardson, but no, not at all. I agree. They they were, they were very ill-equipped. Um, you know, it, it, it's interesting, John, when you look at it, you know, the other storyline right now, in addition to opt-outs, is, is the recruiting period. We just wrapped up early signing day, and it wasn't so long ago that we started reading some more headlines about, oh, the Alabama dynasty is over. You know, Alabama not going to the playoff this year, suffered two losses. Dynasty's done. Uh, you know, the new era, the new landscape of college football is not going to favor Alabama. And lo and behold, who signed the number one recruiting class? It's Alabama on top again with one of the highest ranked classes we've ever seen in college football history. Uh, they signed seven five stars among among their number one ranked recruiting class. And then, oh, look, who 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 is number two there? It's Georgia. So even in this NIL era, not the, not all that much has changed. Alabama and Georgia are top the recruiting rankings again. And then you have a couple more schools who are bound for the SEC, Texas and Oklahoma in the top five. Um, Now, I should say, John, I do think the heyday of the Alabama dynasty is over Um, in terms of being as dominant as they were at the peak of Saban's reign. I don't know that it's going back to that. I think we've already seen that in the last several years. Um, but I think there are a lot of factors at play for that. Um, I think as we go to a 12-team playoff, Alabama is going to annually be in it. I do think that make it maybe makes it a little more difficult to dominate the playoff or to dominate in the way they did in the BCS era uh, to dominate a 12-team playoff. I think Georgia's rise makes it more difficult on Alabama. And I do think the transfer portal and NIL make it more challenging to stockpile talent in the way that Alabama did to stockpile the depth 
in the way they did in the heyday of their dynasty. On the other hand, I do think uh, reports of their demise <laughs> has been greatly exaggerated, and particularly when you look at this year's recruiting class. Um, the bottom line is NIL has not put Alabama or Georgia on the shelf. Those remain the premier destination programs uh, for athletes to go to. And I think that tells me two things. Number one, Alabama and Georgia have put themselves in just fine position for the NIL landscape. Number two, the Girthy biggest goal. That. I'm sorry. Yeah, the number, yeah and then, and number two, John, I think the biggest goal for athletes out of all the things is still to get to the NFL and to thrive in the NFL. And I think Alabama and Georgia put you in great shape for that. Yeah, I think that will always be there. I think I, I agree with you on the depth issues, though. It used to be you could see it when Alabama was in the fourth quarter of a runaway game. It's winning by 35 points. It starts substituting. And you see a guy that come in there and make a particularly on defense or even on offense, a guy would run. I remember Derrick Henry when he wasn't starting, making an 80-yard touchdown run. You'd see a guy that come in and make a great play, and you think, yeah, that guy's going to be a star. And so, oftentimes he was. And now they're losing some of those players. They can't be as deep as they once were. But I think another factor, a child, I don't think NIL is a, chal is a challenge for Alabama. Uh, I think – there's been so much attrition, early outs to the NFL. You throw in the transfer portal, but also so much uh, change, so many changes on the coaching staff, and I think that that has an effect too. All those things, um, but as long as Alabama can sign great classes and perhaps augment it with uh, transfers, it's still going to be in the hunt. But I do agree. I don't know that it will ever. Alabama's greatest teams, uh, there's several to choose from under Nick Saban. It's not like there's one team, oh, that was the best. So there's several. Will it reach those heights? I wouldn't rule out having one, a great team, but I think a three-year run now. Alabama's come close. It's won two in a row. I think a, even a two-year repeating as champions is more difficult. That said, look at Georgia. It has a chance to do that. I guess the bottom line, as you pointed out, is the best teams or the best programs will still be the best teams and the best programs in the NIL and transfer era. We just don't know if they will be as good as they were at the top of their game. Yeah, and I think you pointed out an important distinction of NIL versus transfer portal. As you put it, NIL does not look like it's going to be an overwhelming challenge for, for Alabama. Uh, all you have to do is look at this recruiting class, um, and, and it tells you that it, Alabama is, is well-positioned to continue uh, to sign the best talent, in, even in the NIL era. They, they have a historically um, sound class this year. Um, but let's not conflate NIL with the transfer portal. To your point, the transfer portal is probably the bigger challenge for Alabama or, or programs like it on down the line than perhaps NIL because of the depth issue. You know, we, we've not, we, we've seen Alabama to be immune to a lot of the changes in the sport, or at the very least we've seen Nick Saban um, be willing to adapt and evolve in a way that almost makes Alabama immune to some of the changes in the sport. One thing Alabama is not immune though, to is, is transfers. Um, they've, they've lost a lot of their, you know, not necessarily A-list guys, but they've lost some some name players to the transfer portal. When you look at you know, a guy like Treshawn Holden, wide receiver, JoJo Earl, another wide receiver. I mean, these these were guys that were getting snaps. Uh, some offensive linemen who were getting snaps. So that is the one change, the one evolution in college football. That yes, Alabama can cherry pick some of the top talent out of the portal, but it can avoid the loss to depth that the portal can, can strip you of that. That is, uh, I think that's an important distinction you made. NIL doesn't seem to be negatively affecting Alabama transfer portal. That's, that is a different challenge. It can be an asset when it comes to cherry picking talent. Um, but it can also be a hurdle when it comes to losing some of your depth. Um, and, and that is something that will affect them going forward. 
Yeah, Blake, I think Alabama needs to be creative with the transfer portal. It it needs to find some guys, maybe. Yeah, I think you know, when, when we think of the transfer portal, we think filling a need for a you're void of an obvious big time player at a certain position. You try and get one in the transfer portal. That's pretty obvious. But we also you also can help yourself if you can recruit depth. Now, how do you how do you get a player who's not assured of going in and starting? Well, you find a player in the um, you know, outside the power five. You go to the group of five and you find a guy, maybe there's a linebacker at Rice um, who would who would like that. He has a chance to play at a program like Alabama. I want to go play with the best. And I may not start there, but I could get a lot of snaps as a backup. I could get better. I'm not an NFL prospect right now. But if I impress Nick Saban, with his connections, that could be that could be a way to go. I mean, I just see that as a possibility. And I've really been impressed with how Brian Kelly of LSU has worked the transfer portal. In his first season, when he needed, he had so many holes to fill. But even now, I've seen him recruiting. He's already got commitments from a couple of uh, defensive linemen. And I don't even know if they'll start. But they're going to LSU, and they're going to really fortify that defensive front. So I just think that's what Alabama has to do. And all coaches, if you're trying to win a national championship, you've got to use every means possible to get there. Yeah, you make a good point with Brian Kelly, John. And I'd throw someone else in there. We haven't seen him do it as much for this this upcoming class. But, you know, Lane Kiffin was, was ahead of the game with the transfer portal. And someone who fits the bill exactly what you were talking about is linebacker Troy Brown of Ole Miss. He was someone who came from the group of five ranks, was a really nice player at Central Michigan. Um, but, you know, he was not someone topping NFL draft boards. He was just a really solid group of five player. Well, he transfers to Ole Miss and becomes one of their top defensive players, um, you know, often, often eight-win teams, showing you that there are guys uh, from the group of five ranks that can help SEC programs. I think you're right. SEC programs as they go, as they look to use the transfer portal to the, their benefit. Um, yeah, on the high end of that, that means adding elite transfers who are plug and play, uh, who can be all conference players. Um, you know, someone for Alabama like a Jameer Gibbs. Uh, you know, he was plug and play, had a big impact for Alabama this year. But that also means adding some of those group and five group of five players. Um, who could be good depth guys, who maybe can be starters, uh, who maybe don't make the same headlines as adding a, a Caleb Williams out of the transfer portal for Southern Cal, uh, but could have a nice impact uh, on your team. So there are multiple ways to use that portal, and 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 programs have to have to use every avenue available to them. All right, John, let's get into our bowl game picks. We've of course already missed a couple of bowls. Uh, that are in the rearview mirror from the SEC. Uh, they did not go the SEC's way, so we won't spend any more time talking about Florida uh, and Missouri's loss to Wake Forest in the bowl games. We're, we're looking forward, and we are coming down to the wire here in our pick'em contest. You had a nice showing on conference championship weekend. I did not, and so you have now moved into the lead uh, as, as we approach the finish line here. You are one game ahead. Your record is 40-49-2. and two. I'm at 39, 50, and 2. If we were coaches, we'd be fired. Uh, however, we're in that nice, secure industry that's called journalism, so we maintain our employment. Uh, oh, this is this is a secure business? I'm sorry I missed that. <laughs> yeah, just like you missed your paycheck uh, for one week this month. Happy holidays, John. <laughs> uh, all right, we got 10 games here to pick, and we're going to start as we, we, we talked about the theme of opt-outs, well, Arkansas definitely fits the bill. Both of their inside linebackers, Drew Sanders and Bumper Poole, have opted out of this bowl game, uh, the Liberty Bowl against Kansas. And yet, nonetheless, uh, Arkansas is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, you have the one-game lead, so I'm going to make you at leadoff here with, with our first pick. Yeah, remember the first of the season, Kansas was like a – 
National College football writers were on their way to Lawrence to watch the rebirth. Of, well, not really a rebirth because uh, Kansas football has been dead for so long. Nobody even knew it was alive. Or, But, uh, yeah, it was kind of a nice, trendy story the first few, through, first few weeks of the season. Now it's just, okay. Uh, I would still have to go with Arkansas in that situation. Uh, K.J. Jefferson is playing, right? He is. Okay, well, that's enough for me in that game. So I'll take Arkansas. I mean, as far as I know, he's going to play. The opt-outs come fast and fast and furious. But uh, yes, I believe KJ Jefferson uh, will be will be playing in this game. So uh, I, I'm on the I'm on the uh, trend of John. Uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me. 10 times. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I'm just going to keep on going down that rabbit hole. And that's exactly what I've done with Arkansas this year. Time and time and again, these narrow lines come up. And I think, ah, I, th- I think Arkansas can get it done this week. And time and time again, uh, they really haven't done that. But I'm not going to change now. Uh, you know, we like to jump on and off the bandwagon. But every now and then, every now and then, we just strap ourselves in and and we will not unclick that seatbelt. And I, for whatever reason, I'm strapped in on picking Arkansas in in our our betting pick'em pool this this year. So, uh, yeah, I will will go down with the ship and take Arkansas to cover two and a half. Uh, The Texas Bowl will also be played on December 28th. That is Wednesday night. And Ole Miss is a three-and-a-half-point favorite against Texas Tech. Ole Miss, John, has not had uh, a ton of opt-outs like some of these other places. And when you go back uh, to last season, they also did not have many opt-outs. You remember Matt Corral uh, played in in that game and actually suffered an injury in the Sugar Bowl. He was someone who you would have thought maybe would have opted out based on his NFL draft projection, played in that game. And here we are again. Uh, Ole Miss has not had many opt-outs, had a couple guys enter the transfer portal. Uh, but beyond that, they're they're pretty much at full strength for for this game. Uh, and so I I will pick them to cover the three-and-a-half-point spread against Texas Tech uh, based on the fact that Ole Miss looks to be fully loaded uh, or near full strength for, for this. Um, and I think with, with a fully loaded Ole Miss, uh, they're a little bit better than Texas Tech. So I'll take them to cover a three-and-a-half-point spread. How about you? Yeah, I will too. I was uh, Jackson's dart. Ole Miss's quarterback, very athletic, can make some real highlight plays, running or throwing. I, I still he troubles me at times when I'm got a picking championship on the line. But uh, <laughs> I, I think it's natural for us since we cover the SEC so much, and I've been doing this for a long time. You you kind of just think the SEC's better, and you, you, you just don't know what the attitude of a team is, but you can say that about anybody going into bowl. So I'd go with Ole Miss too. Yeah, I, I think we're we're suffering from the SEC bias probably um, in, in these this bowl picks. Uh, and, and if we remember back, uh, Texas Tech just absolutely drilled uh, Mississippi State in a bowl game last year. One thing about this year's Texas Tech team, they turn the ball over a lot. Um and, and Ole Miss's defense has kind of come and gone this year. But, uh, you know, the great equalizer there to a bit of an inconsistent defense is is going up against a team that turns the ball over a, a lot. So I wonder if that might come into play here. Um, Notre Dame, John, perhaps because of the name on the front of the jersey, if nothing else, Notre Dame is a two-and-a-half-point favorite in the Gator Bowl against South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina has had a handful of guys enter the transfer portal. Uh, but Spencer Rattler's still there. Meanwhile, Notre Dame's starting quarterback, um, he's out. He's he's in the portal. <laughs> he will not be starting for the Irish. He's not on the team anymore. Uh, and yet, nonetheless, Notre Dame is a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Who's, who's your pick in the Gator Bowl? Well, again, call it SEC bias, but South Carolina played really well at the, at the end of the year, beating two top-ten teams. And, and Notre Dame losing not only its quarterback, but its tight end, who is really good. Now, South Carolina lost some players, too, as you pointed out. But I I don't know, getting the points, I kind of like South Carolina. Played really well in the bowl game last year against North Carolina. 
So maybe uh, Shane Beamer, maybe Beamer ball is Beamer bowl ball too. So I'll go with South Carolina. I'm picking South Carolina as well. I'm surprised to see Notre Dame favored in this game, particularly because they won't have their quarterback. He's in the transfer portal. Um, so, yeah, I, I, give me the two and a half points, and I'll take the Gamecocks. John, before we get to our next game, you mentioned Beamer ball. Shane Beamer, you know, through two seasons, he seems to have South Carolina headed in a pretty good direction. They signed a top 20 recruiting class. Uh, they finished this season in strong fashion with wins against Tennessee and South Carolina. If you were running a program tomorrow, just generic program X in the SEC, we're not going to say which one in particular, but generic SEC program, and you could have Shane Beamer or Billy Napier as your coach, who would you take? You could have either one, same price, same deal. Who are you taking? (laughs) That's a tough question because, as you know, I was high on South Carolina in preseason. Yeah, and my preseason view proved uh, proved accurate, but along the way, there were some troubling things that occurred, and it was the same way last year. So I think I'd rather have Billy Napier. Wow, that surprises me. Yeah, coming. Florida fans are throwing their hands up in disgust at this now. They, uh, although I don't know if Florida fans would kick down the door for Shane Beamer, Beamer either. They just uh, want Urban Meyer back, probably. Well, who, who would you – well, what coach would you pick? Uh, like you, I might like to take a pass there and kind of draw this out at a long hesitation. Um, I might take I might take Billy Napier as well, and, and even though I said you surprised me with that. Um, <laughs> ask me again next year. Ask me again next year. I, I, I want to see another year of Napier. If, if Napier doesn't get it going by this time next year, I would pivot away quickly from that. But I, I need to see more from him than this, just this season. I didn't think Florida was going to be good this year. They weren't good. It wasn't a surprise to me at all. I don't think either one of us were high on Florida. I think they had some – I think Billy Napier inherited a real bad hand there. So I, I want to see one more season before I'm ready to write him off. So I'd, I'd give the slight edge to Napier, I think, with the potential maybe for higher upside. Um, but I do think credit has to, to go to Shane Beamer for the way – uh, they recruited this year and the way South Carolina uh, played in, in November down the stretch against Tennessee and Clemson. Uh, all right, next next game, John. I mentioned Clemson. Clemson is a five-and-a-half-point favorite in the Orange Bowl against Tennessee. I'm sure opt-outs have something to do with that. Uh, for the Vols, they are not only down linebacker Jeremy Banks, they're down their top two receivers in Jalen Hyatt um, and Cedric Tillman, who have opted out for the draft, starting quarterback Hinton Hooker. Of course, suffered an injury, season-ending injury against South Carolina. The baton has been passed to backup Joe Milton. Um, the baton's been passed to, to Cade Klubnick at Clemson as well, but it looked like in the ACC championship that was a welcome development for Clemson. Clemson is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I'll lead us off here. I will take Clemson to cover that spread. We got to look at Tennessee without Jeremy Banks uh, in the middle of its defense against South Carolina. It did not look pretty. I think Clemson is going to show that it should have changed to Cade Klubnik uh, in September instead of uh, in December. I think we're going to find out just how much uh, you know guys like Hinton Hooker and Jalen Hyatt meant to this offense, um, and, and I think this is going to be a tough pill to swallow uh, for an otherwise you know season of celebration for Tennessee. Yeah, I agree. Tennessee won't, fans won't try to bring down the goalposts there after the Orange Bowl. Um, yeah, I think if Hendon Hooker was playing, that alone would have me inclined to pick Tennessee. In fact, to pick Tennessee just to win the game. Forget the line. I, I But there's too big a difference, and there's too much uncertainty with Joe Milton. Yes, he can throw the ball through a brick wall, but will he hit the wall? So that's kind of the ongoing question. So I just don't know. Maybe he'll have a great game. I think the receivers who will start for Tennessee are okay, but I still the the quarterback situation still troubles me, and the defense has been it hadn't been as bad as it was against South Carolina all year, but it, it's a good place for a quarterback to go if he wants to pass four hundred for more than four hundred yards go against Tennessee's defense. 
The Sugar Bowl, John, we've we've mentioned it already with Alabama. They'll have Bryce Young and Will Anderson in this game. A lot of other Alabama players won't be playing. They've already headed to the portal, some wide receivers, some offensive linemen on down the line. Kansas State, I don't believe they've had a single opt-out, uh, which doesn't surprise me knowing Kansas State's program. They treat bowl games like this as if they are the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm sure Kansas State fans uh, will be at the, at the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans uh, in force. Uh, we saw the Texas Bowl last year and a win against LSU. Um, they get up for, for bowl games. Uh, Alabama, though, thanks in part to Bryce Young playing, is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Will they cover? I'll let you go first. I really like Kansas State. I've watched them several times this season. I think that's a really good team. And uh, I, I think, yeah, I think it could not only cover, I think uh, Kansas, Kansas State could, is very much could win, win this game. You go back, you look at Alabama and the Sugar Bowl. Years ago, I think it was in maybe Nick Saban's, might have been his second season, uh, played in Sugar Bowl against uh, Utah and got handled very easily by Utah. Then there was a game with Oklahoma a few years back when Alabama fell short of the playoff. It goes out there, and, and Oklahoma rolls like 45-31, something of that nature. So I, I have a hard time. Bryce Young, he always gives you a shot, and the fact that he's playing makes all the difference in the world. But I think this game means everything to Kansas State. Uh, so I'll pick Kansas State, take the points. Yeah, I'm going to stay in lockstep with you. I need to find something different from you to try to make up this one-game deficit, but I'm not going to do it here. Um, I like Kansas State with the points. Like you, I would be tempted to pick them to win outright. Um, it's great for Alabama that Bryce Young and Will Anderson are playing, uh, but you know, one thing we can't forget is they also played against Texas, and Alabama <laughs> barely escaped against Texas. Um, they also played against Ole Miss, and Alabama barely escaped against Ole Miss. So just the fact that Bryce Young and, and Will Anderson are playing, that's that's no guarantee of an Alabama romp against a really good team, which Kansas State is. Um, we saw that in the, the Big 12 championship game. We've seen it at, at, at a number of times this season. This is a solid team. They got a good run game. They have a good defense. Yeah, I think Kansas State's going to be a tough out in this game. Um, so I, I will take Kansas State with you in the six and a half points. Uh, Going to let you go first on on another one here, John. The Music City Bowl. Now this is the this is the opt out bowl. Kentucky. Uh, will Levis has opted out. Chris Rodriguez has opted out. Cavassier Smoke is in the transfer portal. Yeah, the, the top offensive fire, firepower from from Kentucky, uh, a program that's not. We're not used to talking about offensive firepower anyway, but the top firepower they have has has opted out of this game. Uh, Iowa has lost its top two quarterbacks. Iowa will be starting a quarterback who has not taken a snap uh, all season, and neither of these programs score much anyway. It might be the race to 10 points wins. Iowa is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, who will you take here in the Music City Bowl? That's one of the toughest games to pick of all the bowls because Agreed. who knows – what these backup quarterbacks will do. I've seen T Kentucky's backup quarterback, who's no longer the backup quarterback. I guess he's dropped down a notch. Um, gosh. Um, I'm going <laughs> to reluctantly take Iowa. You're going to take Iowa to cover the two and a half? Mm. Perfect. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Kentucky because I feel like this game's a coin flip. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored. And so if I get two and a half points, I, I really have no idea who's going to win this game. But if I get two and a half, that sets me up well for like a cover when the final score is about uh, 12 to 10 and Iowa wins on a safety late. I, I still get the cover with the two and a half points. So maybe that'll be where I make up my game on you. Uh, all right. We have our first uh, diverging pick. We'll go for another here. Maybe. Reality Quest Bowl. John, the artist formerly known as the Outback Bowl, and in some ways will always be known as the Outback Bowl in my mind, um, in part because I have no idea what Realia Quest is. Do you? I don't know what it is. No, it's it's sad when a bowl game is called Reality 
and you don't know what it is. I mean, if it was the fantasy, that would be more fitting. But reality, uh, uh-uh. uh, I don't, I don't get it. And meanwhile, you- the the Outback Bowl, I think it's one of the best chain restaurants, John. If I'm traveling on the road Saturday night after a game, there's oftentimes an Outback restaurant near my courtyard or wherever I'm staying in the Marriott family, oftentimes a courtyard. There's there's oftentimes a an outback nearby. And you know how it is after a Saturday game. You don't really want to go out on the town or anything. You just want it's more about convenience after the game. I, I've been known to frequent an outback on a Saturday night on game day. So uh yeah, I'm still pumping up the outback bowl even though it's no longer known as that. Um yeah I kind of think that way too. I used to at least about outback not anymore. Had uh, had a bad meal there and just crossed it off my list. Oh no! Yeah. Uh, all right. Who are you crossing off your list in the game? Mississippi State is a one point favorite in this game, and, and Tampa, of course, will be playing uh, with with new coach Zach Arnett in the head coaching chair. Uh, Mississippi State deciding to play in this bowl game um, in part as a way to honor Mike Leach, uh, who died um, unexpectedly in, in December after complications uh, with a heart issue and, and very, very uncommon uh, as we've discussed off air, John, for a coach, an, an active head coach uh, to die on the job. Um, tough circumstances, unquestionably for, for Mississippi state. Uh, and yet, you know, I think they are correct in that probably the best way to honor Mike Leach is, is to play in this bowl game. Yeah. I think that will give it an emotional edge in this game. And I, I think, uh, didn't Illinois' running back opt out, Chase Brown? That's he did. Pretty much Illinois' offense. So uh, that's probably the easiest pick we've had so far, which means I'll miss it. But I take, I'll take Mississippi State. I will too. Um, I, I was surprised to see this game at just a one point spread after the opt out from Illinois running back Chase Brown. So yeah, I think Mississippi State uh, will win. I agree with the emotional factor, um, and I have no issues with the quick decision to promote Zach Arnett to the head coaching chair. I think um, obviously uh, unusual circumstances uh, you needed, I think, to uh, to handle this the right way. I think um, a proven coordinator and the way Zach Arnett is, he's a young guy, but he's done a very nice job as their coordinator. Um, seems to be fairly well liked by the players there, provides some continuity at a difficult time. Um, I, I got no issue with, with Mississippi State moving swiftly to promote him to the head coaching uh, spot. It's also, I feel like, a low-risk, high-reward move, just a four-year deal for Zach Arnett. Um, so you give it a shot for a couple years. Uh, if it doesn't work, you can re- reevaluate a couple years down the line. I think in the short term, it's the right move to, to go internal um, and, and try to provide a, a familiar face you know, at a time like this. I agree. It, it was the best move, and uh... – it, that I assume he will keep playing. Maybe not, but I would think he would want to continue with the offense. Certainly will in the bowl game, but if he, Will Rogers comes back, I can't imagine transitioning to a new offense. I would try and minimize all the transitions you have to make after losing uh, Mike Leach. Agreed. Uh, <clears throat> all right, John, one more before we get to the, the college football playoff semifinals. LSU is a whopping 14 14- and a half point favorite in the Citrus Bowl against Purdue. Purdue will be without quarterback uh, Aiden O'Connell. Had a death in in his family um, earlier this year, and and he will not be playing uh, in the bowl game. Still a a, a massive spread. LSU getting good news that Jaden Daniels uh, will return next season. I think, you know, making LSU a team to watch in 2023. This bowl game can get this started. Uh, what do you think with a 14 and a half point spread here for LSU? It's a lot of points to give up, but um, LSU with the quarterback uh, being healthy, and uh, I was kind of surprised that Keyshawn Boudé is returning. Booty is returning uh, at wide receiver. So uh, Purdue without that quarterback, and he was pretty much the um, you know they have a uh, Purdue has a really good offense, but the quarter the coach leaving too, um, Jeff Brom to me that that was a bigger deal even than losing a quarterback. Uh, so I think that puts uh, puts uh, Purdue uh, in a really difficult situation. And I just like LSU. 
again, you don't know what how intent LSU is on winning this bowl game, how much it means to them, but I still like LSU in that game. You know, John, I, I'm not playing for the tie here. I could just match you and put put everything in on winning uh, that that Kentucky Iowa game and tying you, but I'm going for the win, and so I'm diverging you with with you on this one. I'm going with Purdue. Um, I, I agree. The loss of the coach is is a factor um, in this as well. With the loss of you lost your quarterback and your coach, and that explains in part why you're a 14 and a half point underdog. Uh, but Purdue, Purdue does have a veteran quarterback. Uh, it can turn to an Austin Burton started his career at UCLA. has been a backup at Purdue last couple seasons. Hasn't played a ton, but has played some in reserve. So it's not like they're going in the case of Iowa, um, starting someone who hasn't taken a snap all season. So I will, I will take LSU to win, but Purdue to cover with the 14 and a half. All right. The, the two semifinals, John, we will start outside the SEC um, in, in Arizona with the Fiesta Bowl, Michigan, seven and a half point favorite against TCU. TCU is sort of the, the darlings of the college football season, along with Max Duggan has been a great story. Their quarterback, who was a Heisman finalist, they're the, they're the comeback kids. They've done it so many times this year, did it uh, against Baylor, I guess most recently, nearly came back to beat Kansas State in the Big 12 championship, probably would have if Sonny Dykes didn't try to outsmart himself uh, and refuse to call a quarterback sneak uh, from the two-foot line on back-to-back plays in overtime. Uh, Boy, these coaches just continue to make this job harder than than it is. Um, I thought Sonny Dykes should have removed himself from National Coach of the Year candidacy um, with his refusal to keep the ball in the hands of his best player on the final two two plays of an offensive possession there. But nonetheless – TCU's a trendy story. Uh, Michigan, though, uh, along with Georgia, has proven to be the two best teams in college football throughout the season. Uh, Michigan's seven-and-a-half-point favorite. I'll, I'll go lead off on, on this one. I will take TCU with the points. I think Michigan wins, but TCU just – they're in every game. Now, a lot of times they win close. Um, I just don't see them getting blown out. I, I don't know. Maybe that's because they've been one of the most exciting teams in college football all year. Uh, if you like games that come down to the wire, TCU's been the team to watch. So having seen that play out all year, I think TCU keeps this within a touchdown, but Michigan wins. Yeah, I've I've liked TCU all season, and I didn't I didn't count off much um for it losing to Kansas State because I think Kansas State's a really good team when it's a, at the at its peak, when it's really playing well, it's just it could compete with the top teams in the country. So I, I would take the points too. I, I really like Michigan, particularly the way it blew out uh, Ohio state. Um, but uh, I could see Michigan getting a lead. And again, uh, TCU just storming back. I mean, that's, that's the theme for the whole season. So I will take TCU as well. And Michigan has had a few, a, a couple of close games this season. Uh, against teams that are not as good as TCU. They won by just a touchdown against Maryland. They won by just a couple points against Illinois. So even though I think Michigan is very solid, I think they're a safe bet to get to the national championship. They have had some some nail-biter games against teams that uh, TCU is is better than. So yes, I, I think uh, I feel good about my TCU pick um, to, to cover the spread here. All right, that leaves us with Georgia, John. Perhaps we've buried the lead. Uh, by not mentioning a uh, Georgia's game against Ohio State earlier in this podcast, Georgia falls into that category of teams that um, you know has been such a proven commodity at times in college football the past couple of years. They, uh, um, I think, at times maybe don't get as much uh, uh, hot air and, and headlines as they as they've deserved because uh, it's like rinse and repeat. Georgia takes care of business and it's and it's on to the next one. Uh, but I think they got a dangerous matchup here against Ohio State. Uh, in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, Ohio State, I, I thought throughout most of the year, was one of the three best teams in college football. I think they still are. Um, I think this might be a tougher matchup for Georgia than what Michigan drew with TCU. I think uh, I think if you're Georgia, you probably ra- would have rather faced TCU than Ohio State uh, because of, of C.J. Stroud's ability and, and some of those wide receivers, Marvin Harrison Jr. in particular. 
Uh, Georgia's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I do think the game being in Atlanta and the Mercedes-Benz Stadium helps. Uh, who's your pick here in this one? Well, I, I'm not going against Georgia. It's been the best team all season. It was the best team last season, and I think it will win the game. However, um, I could see this game developing much like the Michigan game with TCU, where Georgia gets out front. When you look at how it's come out of the gate in its biggest games against Oregon, against Tennessee, and then the SEC championship game against LSU, I expect it to get an early lead. Uh, but I also think Ohio State won't go away in this one. I think it can make plays against Georgia's defense as good as it is. So I like Georgia to win the game, but I like taking Ohio State in the points. I think I would be with you, John, if the line matched the Michigan line of 7.5. With it being at 6.5, I'm going to go with Georgia. I think they can win by by at least a touchdown. Um it's going to be interesting, you know, with, with Georgia, so much of the conversation involves their defense um, and their defense will will be tested with C.J. Stroud and Ohio State. However, Georgia's offense has been really good in some of the biggest moments this year. We, when you, you touched on it, uh, LSU in the SEC championship, um, Georgia's offense really put that thing away in the second quarter uh, of that game. The game was over by halftime. Um you know, you think about that Tennessee game, the score doesn't look like it so much, just 27-13. But Georgia dominated that game throughout the first half before Kirby Smart took the uh, the foot off the pedal after halftime during raining conditions after halftime. Georgia's offense is um, – it might be one of the more underrated units in college football just because their defense gets so much of the love, deservedly so. It's a great defense. Uh, but their offense is is really not much behind. They are, for my money, the most well-rounded unit in the game. That's why I think they're the smartest bet to win the national championship. So I'll, I'll take them to cover a six-and-a-half-point spread and what I do think could be a competitive semifinal. Yeah, I think um, you're right about Georgia. And, and what's interesting about Georgia in its biggest games, its quarterback, still much unheralded, really. Stetson bid and he did well I shouldn't say that because he made the Heisman final four so I guess he's finally been recognized but it's interesting that in the biggest games he's outplayed a more renowned quarterback he did it against LSU with Jaden Daniels he did it against Oregon with Bo Nix he did it against Tennessee with Hendon Hooker every time he's better and he was better in the national championship game last year against Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young, Stetson Bennett was the offensive MVP. So uh, how can we go? I mean, how can we expect him not to play well? And and you may be right on that game. I'm I'm not – I don't feel great about picking Georgia not to cover the spread because it's done so in all of these big games. You're right about Stetson Bennett, John. You start calling him big game Bennett. You look at his best performances this season. Let's throw out Vanderbilt uh, because – that, that hardly should count. We're throwing out Vanderbilt, and his best performances otherwise this season have come against Oregon, against South Carolina on the road. That's a rivalry game on the road, mm-hmm. South Carolina, Tennessee, and LSU in the SEC championship. I, I think you could say those are the four biggest games on the schedule this year for, for Stetson Bennett uh, in Georgia. I mean, maybe you could make a case Mississippi State would be in the mix there. He wasn't as good against Mississippi State through a couple interceptions. Um, but really on down the line, for the most part, he's been at his best against the toughest competition on the schedule. Um, I, I do kind of agree with you that despite the fact that he was a Heisman finalist, I still think everything with Stetson Bennett for a lot of people comes with the caveat. Of, yeah, but, you know, look at all the talent around him. Yeah, but, um, you know, he may not be a star in the NFL. Well, despite all those yeah buts, this guy has uh, he's won a lot of games. He's he's delivered a lot of dazzling performances. Um, I think if Setson Bennett looked more like a star quarterback, meaning he was three inches taller and had a bigger arm, some of these yeah buts would would fade away. <laughs> and when you just look at the performance and what he's doing, the guy's been really really solid wire to wire. Um, you know, I know you had him on his highs on your Heisman ballot. Um, I did not. However, I seriously considered him 
for my number three spot. Uh, he was about number four, number five in my pecking order. I had no issue really with him being in, in New York City uh, for in particular for what we've just been talking about. He, he was he was at his best in the biggest moments, I thought. Yeah, and he's really been miscast, I think, in his career as a game manager. Uh, he's really not a game manager at all. He makes highlight plays. He takes chances. He sometimes throws interceptions, makes passes he shouldn't have, but he can run. He's got a lot of speed. So he's not a – we're not talking about Greg McElroy of Alabama here leading his team to national championship. This is different. Uh I mean, he can throw four touchdown passes in one half. So, uh, yeah, that that will be an interesting uh, development to see how he does. Can he do it in really two more times? And he very well might. All right, we'll leave it there, John. Uh, to all of our listeners, and Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Hope you have a great New Year. Hope you enjoy the bowl action and opt in to watching these games. We certainly will be, and we'll be back to discuss next week. Thanks for listening to SEC Football Unfiltered.